This is the Yob ConvoCast, one-on-one conversations with your other brother's authors, community members, supporters, and friends. What's up, friends? Welcome to the Yob ConvoCast Enneagram Edition as we tie a bow so fittingly tying a bow on the heart triad i've been looking forward to this episode because i've been very intentionally holding back my thoughts and my comparisons and contrasts with all the other types and all the other conversations i've had and i think i've done a pretty good job i think with the enneagram three episode there was maybe a three second lapse where i where i compared but other than that i think i've been keeping it keeping it uh focused on my guest and the beauty about today is that my guest is also a four and I get to share because I feel like I'm allowed to now, right? I'm I'm a four two, and I get to I get to share too. He's a returning guest. He was here a few episodes ago where we talked about love, Victor, and now we're talking about love any love enneagram. I don't know. We'll, I, we'll figure out a title for this episode before too long. But his name is Alex, one of our community members. What's up, Alex? Hello, hello. It's good to be back. You're back. Sadly, we're not talking about love, Victor, which I just finished watching actually the series finale last night <laughs> so <laughs> i feel like we shush, can't we can't ta- oh, you haven't even seen it yet so we can't talk about it anyway but yeah no. i just watched it i just watched it last night so i know i know what happens <laughs> i saw the whole thing okay you're ahead of me then <laughs> we'll have you we'll have you back to talk about that and other other things but how have you been alex for the listeners who haven't heard your voice since that episode Whew, it's been it's been a hot minute folks mm. um yeah Let's just say the last month has been kind of a roller coaster. Uh, unfortunately, I got COVID at the beginning of the month and mm. have been wrestling and fighting back against Miss Rona ever since. So <laughs> the past week, I've felt like an actual human being again and have slowly but surely crawled out of isolation and into social uh, spheres once again. Man. Well, I hope you're... Do you feel mostly if not all recovered at this point do you have any lingering effects from that for the most part i'm okay it's just a lingering cough is the last thing to go so you don't have that people talk about the fog or like there have been some people who who got covid months if not a year plus ago and they still can't like fully smell or fully taste like that to me is it's not the end of the world but that's kind of crazy that's kind of dramatic that sounds like a that sounds like the perfect symptom for a four, right? Being dramatic. Um, I know, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, I was thankfully did not lose sense of smell or taste. Praise God. That's but good. Yeah, the cough was gnarly. So gnarly. Cough. I am on the upswing now. So that is the big update for me. Well, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad it worked out to where you weren't coughing wretchedly feel free to cough in this episode i'll edit those i'll edit those out you were you were stroking a porcupine no i'm sorry a hedgehog doll i always confuse those two thank you when we signed onto the call it was very funny because that is your animal that's your spirit animal right yeah pretty much it's the hedgehog meets the buffalo because the buffalo is my spirit animal if i've never verbalized that on this on this on this podcast network yeah yeah i got like seven buffalo themed things in my apartment so it's pretty great and growing always room for more buffalo here i could i could i could share so much poetry about the buffalo and enneagram fourness because they're very solitary (laughs) stately but also communal um creatures 
And I heard it put to me once this way. I don't even know if this is true. I've, I've just been banking on this statement as true ever since I heard it. But someone described the buffalo to me as like, like it's the only animal that when a storm approaches, it goes into the storm because it wants to pass through the storm. It doesn't want to like other animals will run away from the storm, go the opposite direction. But the buffalo enters the storm. And isn't that what fours do every day? <laughs> Pretty, yeah. yeah. Don't we that's, enter that's, the storm of life on a daily basis? Yeah. I mean, we, we live in the storm. Yeah. Let's be real here. We have no choice. Par for the course. The storm is 360 all around. Everywhere we go, we're entering the storm. <laughs> that's how I feel about being an Enneagram 4. Oh, this is so fun. Alex, I've been like, again, I've been so I've been such a good boy, just like folding my hands and listening to my beautiful guests, just amazing community members and other bloggers and other podcasters. Um, sharing their perspective and their Enneagram type and how that intersects with sexuality and masculinity and their relationships. But, um, but yeah, now it's like, I've, I've already feel this like weight lifted that for, you know, the next hour, however long we get to talk that I can share too. So I'm looking forward to sharing, hearing you share. Um, we had a few yobbers contribute as well. And I was telling you before we started recording, um, the feedback we got, it was it was not as much quantifiably as I was maybe hoping for. The twos are still far away in the lead as far as numbers of people who contributed feedback, which I think my hunch is they're going to win that title. Um, maybe the sixes. I'm thinking we have a good number of sixes. So when we get to the six episode, maybe they'll maybe they'll surprise me. But my initial thought going into this series, it's either going to be the twos or the fours that give us the most feedback. So even though we didn't get as much feedback as I would have liked from the fours, the feedback we did get was was stellar, like beautifully written. I mean, that's the thing about fours. We're storytellers. We're creative. Um, it was it was a joy to read through the feedback. So I'm excited to share that on the episode as well. Um, before we get going, the Enneagram, it's a tool. It's something that we use to learn about ourselves, to learn about each other, to see the beauty of how we're interconnected. Something I haven't talked about much with the Enneagram is like, there's a relationship between all these types. We might mention wings, or we we certainly mention the stress and the security paths that other types are interconnected with one another. Like that's something that I really appreciate about the Enneagram is that it doesn't separate people in the nine different boxes so much that it kind of shows all of these networks and tunnels that connect all these people and how we're all similar and how we're all different, things that we're motivated by, things that trip us up. And it's just, it's really helped me, honestly, just broaden my horizons and see. Um, my fellow man, my fellow woman as just beautiful and um, uniquely wired, whether they're a four or not. So, um, so yeah, it's a tool that I've quite enjoyed and I'm, I've loved hearing my guests' perspective on it as well. So hope this conversation blesses you guys listening. We have so many fours. I'll share the stats in a second. Um, so if you're a four especially, I hope our conversation blesses you and that you feel a little bit at home with the, the things that we're going to talk about, the stories that we're about to share. Um, and if you want to share a story, go over to our podcast page, yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast and find the type four convo cast. If you want to share a story, if you're a four or if you know a four in your life and you have some perspectives to share, we would love to hear that. And you can also go to our convo cast page and comment on any of our episodes where we've talked so far. I mean, this is crazy, Alex. We've talked to the eight, to the nine, to the one, to the two, to the three, and now today to the four. To close out this heart triad, this super emotional, touchy feely feelings types. These are Woo-hoo! these are these are great people. <laughs> this is this is like half of our community in this in this little grouping of three. Although that's mostly twos and fours, because as mentioned in our last episode, we only have like two threes 
or three threes. So there's not many of them, but <laughs> so many fours. Um, the four, let's talk about it. So the four goes by a few names. The individualist you'll hear probably most often. Um, the romantic mm -hmm. is another one. Someone that's, as I've mentioned, yes. is like very creative. You'll see a lot of writers or painters or musicians um, or actors, even sculptors. I don't know. What, what other creative um, career paths can you think of off the top of your head? <laughs> uh, probably like authors and even uh, directors. Mm. Uh, the man, Tim Burton himself. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely a four. Yeah. I mean, watch any of his stuff and you you get that immediately. Yeah, these are just beautiful, if not sometimes dark people. Um, I love I love being a four. <laughs> it's like it's like a blessing and a curse, but I, I'll explain as we go. Um, here's a description. Our all of our Enneagram descriptions as always come from truity.com and enneagramgift.com. So I'm grateful for for their structural layout for all of these types. Fours are defined by their sense of being special and different from other people. They're often creative and present a unique distinctive persona to the people around them. Fours experience a deep conflict in that they long to connect with others, but they feel that because they are so unusual, very few people are able to truly see them as they are. Which honestly, that says it all because the first half of that, I'm like, I love being a four. Like they're unique, they're distinctive. Um, they're special and different. Like all of those words feel so cozy and lovely to me. And, um, and I was like, yes, end the sentence. Like, that's great. And then I had to keep going, unfortunately. Um, because that longing to connect and this sense, a lot of times when you read Enneagram 4 descriptions, it wasn't in that one, but there's that sense of the missing piece or the flawed. Mm -hmm. There's some sort of flawed yeah. nature inside the four where they feel like they just missed the boat. Some, something happened in childhood or or as they grew up, they just didn't get the thing that everyone else got and they just missed it. And now they're adults and they still feel like they're missing some critical component to humanity or to thriving or to ultimate fulfillment or happiness or however you want to put it. And I think, um, I think that lands especially true with members in our community. I mean, that's a direct correlation with, I think, sexuality. And, and maybe for some, it's more sexuality. Maybe for some, it's more masculinity. Actually, for me, I feel like it's more masculinity related than sexuality, although sexuality is part of it too. But just feeling like as a boy, not quite there, like this longing to connect with the other boys, but it wasn't, I wasn't able to fully make it happen for whatever reason. And so I was like, did I, did I miss something? Was there like a boyhood, a boy friendship class that I missed and like did I not p pass the test or even know there was a test and how did I get here so so that speaks to me as a four of feeling like this missing piece does that does that resonate with you too Alex oh yeah definitely uh it's the whole you have a you have a box with a puzzle in it and you shake out all the puzzle pieces and for some reason there's always the one piece missing and it's like okay where's the missing piece mm. I have no idea and you search for it for 30 years and you're like, it's still missing. I don't know where it is, but it's still missing. It was always kind of interesting in how I related with other, other boys growing up. As someone who was homeschooled, I was already kind of like in that box of like being kind of unique and kind of like outside the general like social groups, if you will, of the other kids. And so that was already kind of interesting dynamic trying to make friends i mean i always felt like i had kind of the extroverted nature of a four 
to fall back on in terms of making friends, but it was still always kind of difficult because I wanted to like have these really deep friendships with the other guys around me, but I didn't know how, or I didn't know how to go about that. And yet it seemed like so many other guys around me were like, they're perfectly fine. And they had these like, really strong like camaraderie kind of relationships with one another and it was just like okay what am i doing wrong what am i missing did i did i miss the seminar did i not get the the sign up the memo like just like what you said so yeah i definitely relate with that yeah it's so it's so infuriating and the the the, the uh the cheap passion or the vice of the four is envy which is so fun it's such a fun passion to be constantly jealous of other people like i know we, we can maybe as the conversation goes explain what we are envious about or for um but that goes right in line with feeling like we're missing something that everyone else has and so we we envy we envy the the things that we feel like are lacking in our lives i love how sleeping at last put it i haven't i haven't shouted out sleeping at last up until now which i'm kind of shocked by because um Sleeping at Last, the the artist, um, he, he goes by Ryan, or his name is Ryan. He goes by Sleeping at Last. Um, but he did an Enneagram album a couple years ago, which was fantastic. Um, he titled the songs one through nine. And the song four, like all of those songs are on our Heart of a Brother playlist. Shout out to that thing. Um, so you guys can find our Heart of a Brother playlist on our YouTube channel. If you go to youtube.com slash your other brothers, we just have a collection of over 100 songs that speak to the heartbeat, the longings of our community. Um, but these nine songs are on there. And I wanted to read one lyric from the four, the song called Four, um, because that kind of poetically, because we have to be poetic and artsy here. I mean, poetically puts words to this longing, um, describing the four, describing just this, this sense of identity. Um, the lyrics go this, it's as if God hid the building blocks of every beautiful thing in this game of hide and seek. I can't help but think that ordinary has swallowed the key. And so today with this conversation, we're going to unswallow the key. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to, we're going to explore the missing piece, the key, um, as we describe all the hearts, all the, the triumphs and the struggles of the Enneagram four. Um, before we get there though, real quick, the stats of it all. Um, Truity study of more than 54,000 respondents. These have been pretty consistent with a couple aberrations here and there, but um, type fours were found to make up approximately 11% of this population, 12% being women and 10% being men, which feels high to me just because when you when you do a little Enneagram deep dives, the common word on the street seems to be that fours are the least common type of all mm. the types. Now, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's like fours saying that all the time to make themselves feel special and unique. So I don't know <laughs> what that is exactly, but I think I think there's some truth to it. I don't know if it's the least or if it's on the lower half of the population, but um, but I don't know, that that was interesting to me that it was actually that high. I was expecting like 6% mm. or 7% or something, but um, you know, according to them, 10%. But that's an interesting contrast with the Yob community which is either the number one or the number two most frequented type, according to our polls, depending where you ask, depending what pollsters you you ask in our community. Um, it's either the type two or the type four, but it's about 20 to 24% of people who submitted feedback and voted in in polls in our community. So, so fair to say 
based on that, that there's more of us, more fours in our community than in the general population for sure. Um, and I think, again, I think this whole sexuality piece, masculinity piece is a big reason why I think a lot of us would resonate with that statement, um, that we just felt like we missed something. Um, and it could be as, as simple as an attraction to the opposite sex, or it might be more nuanced than that. So I'm excited to read the feedback and see what everybody had to say. Um, let me read the motivations of the four. And then Alex, I'll go straight to you as soon as I read it um, and see okay. what you have to say. And then we have our, our beautiful yobbers who submitted feedback as well. So I'll try to read as much of their feedback as well. Here's the core motivations of the Enneagram four. Fours are motivated by their desire to express their individuality and be unique. They do this through creative endeavors and by over-identifying with the aspects of their personality that they view as lacking or deficient. So definitely in terms of feeling of wanting to express individuality, I have a very vivid memory of the first time of one of the first times that was really like strong in me. Again, I, uh, it was probably during my middle school years, actually, when this first cropped up to my memory. And those of you who know me know that I am one of four boys in my family. And so I have lots of siblings and being in the somewhat middle-ish of the family, I would get hand-me-downs growing up all the time. Those of you who know hand-me-downs know them well. So yes, I got hand-me-downs all the time from my older brother. And there was a point where I didn't like that anymore. And I wanted to stand out from my brothers and be my own person. And I'm sure if my mother's listening to this, she can just affirm this story because I was very vocal about it. And so I remember wanting to stand out and be my own person to even visually just be distinct from my siblings. And that was probably one of the, like the first major times I wanted to really express my individuality was in that way. And so Again, also creatively, because, uh, you know, us fours are also creative folk. Creativity is a huge part of my life as a four. I, ever since I have been able to pick up a pencil, I have been drawing and making art for all of my life. And so that has evolved over time into various different passions, such as painting, writing, and even graphic design stuff. And so... It's interesting as one of the only one of my siblings who is both skilled in visual art and here, here's the other kicker of my brothers who is not colorblind. I feel pretty unique in, in my family in terms of my kind of place, if you will. So and also throw a dash of queerness in there. And I'm the rainbow sheep of the siblings. So there you go. <laughs> a dash of queerness. Love it. <laughs> I feel like ever since I uh, came out as bisexual kind of several years ago, I feel like it's these motivators have merely been amplified as a result of wanting to be and express myself as myself. And so I feel like I am not truly myself. Or I can't, ex if I can't express this part of me now, like even more so these days, like it's very, a very powerful motivator 
of wanting to be known and wanting to be seen as all of me, entirely every piece of me. It would be disingenuous of me not to be open and honest about every part of my life as like just being a complete open book to people. Like that's just kind of how I am. And so there's also, you know, being part of the thing I like specifically part of being by and a four that I find particularly wonderful is like, I feel like I have a special perspective in appreciating the beauty of literally everyone around me, no matter who they are. So not only can I see the beauty in women, which let's be real, they're gorgeous. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. And, but also at the same time, I can see and appreciate and absolutely love the beauty in men around me, which is severely, in my opinion, overlooked and underappreciated because there are some very beautiful, handsome men out there. Let's be real, folks. In using my creative side in tandem with this kind of processing of my sexuality through uh, the motivators of being a four, I have used both visual art and writing also to process through various different stages of of my sexuality. Primarily, I can think of recently utilizing the the main character of of my of the novel I'm writing as kind of a cathartic canvas to explore my sexuality within the pages of the story itself. And so that is something I've very much enjoyed doing. Like, I feel like I was alive when I was doing that and kind of writing, writing out this character and his kind of his own viewpoint as, as a queer person uh, within the story. And then also I've just I've also done that with vi- with visual art as well, just drawing various different kind of illustrations and such, which looking back at them, I'm like, oh, that was definitely me processing some difficult things to do with my sexuality. That's amazing. I love that. I love that you're able to incorporate the the foreness into a character you've written. I can resonate with that as well. There was a time in my life where I lived on the road for a year, which is not a thing that most people do. And I took great pride in being unique in how I lived my life for that year, living on the road and traveling all over the US and Canada. Um, and that's one ex- example of a reason that I've tried to be unique. And then co- going to coming out, like that's obviously not something that everybody does. Um, and it's up to you to figure out if that's for you. But um, I know as a writer, as someone with a blog, um, you know, this was about a decade ago now, like that was something that I just felt like, yeah, it was uncomfortable, but there was also kind of this giddy sense of joy that, oh my gosh, I get to share my sexuality with the world with a very, I mean, my audience was, if not wholly, like very majorly Christian and that would be very earth shaking and shattering to them probably to to learn about this side of myself. And so even though it was scary and even though it was definitely uncomfortable, I can't lie. There was definitely a sense of giddiness that I get to be special. I get to be unique because I get to tell my story that a lot of people don't tell within the Christian world. And so um, so I can definitely see a correlation there, that motivation for uniqueness, not in a lot of things, but um, those are just two examples that came to mind as I was pondering pondering that question. What I find particularly interesting here, Tom, is that I was, you know, homeschooled. And so I was already kind of the odd duck out, if you will, in terms of social settings. And so there was part of me that 
didn't want to be unique. I wanted to be like everyone else. And so I, I wanted to just blend in and be a normal person. Mm-hmm. Little did I know that there was a part inside of me that was like, no, you're going to be weird. You're going to be unique <laughs> and you're going to love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's get to some comments. And then as I read these, as always, Alex, if you have any thoughts, feel free to chime in. Um, one of our yabbers said this, I'm an artist and a writer and general creative soul. Because of this, I often didn't fit traditional views of what is expected of boys. I didn't like sports and was more drawn to my sister's brightly colored toys and clothes than the boring trucks and cars I kept being given to play with. As I grew older, I used my creative talents and intellect to earn the praise I wasn't getting for being a proper boy. Even as a Christian, I can feel the pull to use my God-given talents to earn recognition in the church. As a gay Christian, I mourned a great deal that I wasn't what a godly man should be. I also have ADHD, which amplifies feelings of rejection. I spent a lot of time in self-loathing. Because I felt I was deficient as a man, I often struggle to connect with men in the same way I do women. Definitely, definitely feeling the four vibes there. I got it. I got it. Yeah, I, I definitely relate with a lot of that. Again, as a fellow writer and artist myself, definitely relate to the creative side of things but also yeah that whole not being like most of the other boys and always having kind of different interests as 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 the other boys in terms of you know what we like mm-hmm. what we do when my brothers were off playing baseball i would be the one sitting on the sidelines and sketching in my sketchbook. Mm. And I noticed that in our community a lot, whether people are identify as fours or otherwise, like there's just, there was a more of an affinity, more of a, both in hobbies and interests and also in personality that shared more in common with women, with the other girls growing up versus men. Like I found that happening all the time growing up that, you know, girls were just so much easier to talk to and laugh with. And the boys just (laughs) felt like another wavelength, another world again, that I missed I miss the seminar. I miss yeah. the how to how to be a boy. Sometimes is how I felt. They were weird, dude. There were some weird <laughs> they, they boys really growing up. Um, someone said this: as a four, I have always felt like I've been cut from a different cloth. While other kids may have been doing sports or playing war in the backyard, I was the kid at home, school, or church, practicing the piano, playing handbells, baritone, pit percussion, and other instruments in band, and learning about computers and electronics. In some respects, I wished that I fit in, but yet knew I didn't need to. As I became an adult, the creativity and individuality largely continued into my engineering design work. I haven't minded going down entirely different paths in my work from others. This has given me opportunities I may not have had otherwise. I'm not that engineer that wants to design the mundane. I always have something different in mind. However, this can also feel lonely. Sometimes I'm convinced that I cannot relate to other people well at all. Now that I finally have found some side B people, suddenly there's a group of people who do somehow make sense. We haven't all traveled exactly the same paths and don't share all of the exact same beliefs about the details of theology, but we do have Christ at the center of it all. And we've had many of the same life experiences that in many cases we've locked away and some safe in our hearts because they feel too dangerous to share in most settings. I think that there are some people over the years who I can communicate with rather well, but these relationships have still always required that I shut off certain aspects of myself. Mm. Yeah, I can resonate with that sense that um, he mentioned a line in there that we've locked away something in a safe in our hearts because they feel too dangerous to share in most settings. 
Um, oh, yeah. I think that I resonate with that fear as a four that I feel like this endless well. It's not to say that everyone else is shallow. I'm not saying that fours are like the best or anything. Um, but I often feel like I have more access, I guess, sometimes to this well of thoughts, feelings. Like I also identify as a wing five. And so I feel like I'm constantly thinking and feeling, which just feels like the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I, it just feels like the worst. Like I'm always in my head and I'm always in my heart. There's no like, and that's why for me as a growth path, maybe we'll get there when we get to growth. But for me, it's like getting out of my head and out of my my heart, my feelings. Like I need to be active. I need to to uh, to work out. I need to run. I just got a bicycle, um, and so I'm bicycling, and and it's like so good for me to not just be trapped in my head and my heart all the time. Like to to use my body. So that's that's a great piece of advice for fours, but. Um, but yeah, I can resonate with that relationship dynamic of just feeling like there's just so much in, in me and I can't possibly share it with everyone else. Um, and so I have to put it in a vault in a safe, um, and keep some of that back because, cause I don't know, I feel like a lot. Do you feel like a lot, Alex? I don't want to put words in your mouth. I feel like a lot. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel a lot. And I feel like there is a lot, uh, case in point being, my copious amounts of notes for feedback for this episode. I love it though. You're so prepared. I took several days and several different edits to figure out exactly what I wanted to say. So yeah, there's there's definitely a lot there. Definitely that sense of like not wanting to be, I don't know, too intense with people to where, you know, you kind of have to maybe hold hold back just a little bit. I I'm personally a four wing three. And so I have a little bit more, I guess, a handle on like, okay, I want to be unique. I want to, you know, share this part of me. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, I can hold some of this back. I know I'm supposed to like just hold back just a little bit, tone it down just a hair in order to kind of like be a little bit more, I don't know, what's the phrase, socially acceptable, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I totally agree with like having to kind of keep some things a little bit on the safe side in terms of like locking them up and not not sharing too much, being a little bit cautious when it comes to it. Of course, I think that comes me uh, that comes from for me at least personally my my upbringing in kind of conservative spaces and not feeling safe to be kind of myself. And not being not feeling safe to like share my experience and what I was feeling, what I was wrestling with, and you know, being that vulnerable with people. And so it just it's second nature to me to be like, okay, I know this group of people. I get a I already got a vibe from them. I got a feeling from them of like, okay, not maybe not go like out the gate already with everything. So let's let's just lock this up for a little bit, be a little bit cautious and see where it goes from here kind of deal. So yeah, I definitely agree with that kind of hesitancy when it comes to like different relationships as well. Yeah, and there's like all these comments, like some of the people mess privately message me them and some people type them out on their own time, but there's a lot of commonalities with what people are saying in this feedback. Um, here's the last one for motivations before we move on to fears. Um, this guy said, this question of motivation takes me back to my growing up years and how different I now realize I was from everyone around me. When the other boys all wanted to go outside and play football, I preferred to stay in and play the piano. 
If I did go outside, I still wouldn't play football, but would just wander in a corner of the yard with my mind in a land of make-believe. One year when we had a vacation Bible school program at church, all the other kids were content to just do the group singing and say their assigned lines. But I was fascinated with the organ at church and asked the teacher if I could do an organ solo in the program, even though I'd never played the organ before. Amazingly, she let me, and I've been an organist ever since, which pretty much almost proves that I'm gay. It's not that all male organists are gay, but for whatever reason, a lot of us are. As a man who is stereotypically gay in this and other ways, my sense of uniqueness as a four outweighs any worries I have about people judging me for my lack of typical masculine characteristics, but just barely. I love that. I love his self-deprecation, his his view of the world. And... I'm glad he mentioned the land of make-believe because that was me too. Like constantly I was the creative, like I remember with my brother and sister and a cousin, like going down the street, we would go to this church down the road and, and like just make up, make up games. I don't even remember specifically what it was. I remember Pokemon entered into it. I know you love Pokemon, yeah. Alex. Like just pretending we were Pokemon masters or something like, but just being the the person in charge of the fantasy of this little make-believe game that we were playing like I that, that strikes such a chord in me and I'm glad that he mentioned that because I would have totally just not even mentioned that but yeah I'm sure a lot of people listening if they're fours they were the people wandering in the woods and believing they were on a fantastic adventure or something <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah that was me when I wasn't drawing in my sketchbook and my brother's baseball games I'd always find a friend and we'd do a little bit of role-playing in fantasy so, yeah. oh yes, shout out, living for the fantasy. Shout out to the role players out there. Um, let's take a turn into the dark side. Four's deepest fear. Ooh. Four's fear that they are flawed and are missing out on some basic aspect of happiness that other people have access to. To cope with this fear, they amplify what is different and special about themselves, looking for the niche in which they can truly be appreciated. So let's read some mm. feedback first. Let's roll through some feedback. And then at the end of it, would love to hear from you, Alex, and I'll share some of my perspective too about how this intersects with sexuality and masculinity. One of our yabbers said this, I constantly ask the Lord if I'm on the right track. I wrestle with this fear that I am somehow not hearing him clearly and I'm off track or derailed or wasting years of my life. I've sunk deep into my creativity and art and also have to be careful as a Christian not to amplify that over my identity as a child of God. And that speaks like, I'm going to stop there. Like that speaks to the heart of Yab. Cause I think there's a, there was a lot of, I mean, there was and slash there is a lot of criticism about Yab because sometimes we focus quote unquote too much on the struggle, on the dark side, on all the things that we're struggling with or have struggled with in the past and not enough on Jesus, not enough on Christ. Um, and I get that. I get the sometimes sometimes we go through seasons where it seems like that's more of the story we're telling is the struggle versus the triumph. But um, but I think that's the beautiful thing about our four. Something I'll say about our website when we first launched, I had a conversation. I still remember this. I had a conversation with a reader who told me when I grabbed coffee with him, he was like, as soon as I clicked onto that website, I knew it was it was a four site. Like I just knew it. He knew about the Enneagram. <laughs> and we talked about the Enneagram a lot. And there was definitely a four presence. Like this this community was co-founded by a lot of fours. And so I I took that as a badge of honor. I was like, wow, someone knew that this was created by a four. Like I just I love that. That that's our our reputation from the beginning when we started. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I don't know. Like that's that's I think it's beautiful when a four can be authentic. That's where you see a lot of raw, gritty poetry or music or or even movies and stories like um, 
where you see that just raw, gritty, real aspect of living, which isn't all sunshine and rainbows all the time, you know? Yeah. The vulnerability is definitely one of like the highlights of, I think, kind of the the skill set of the four is being able to kind of like, like you said earlier, tap into that well mm-hmm. of of feeling and just just bring up the whole bring up the whole well, not just a bucket of water, just bring up the whole well. Yeah. Um, here's what another Yabber said. The number one flaw I've always felt is that I'm gay. It clearly goes along with part of my nature to isolate. I have not wanted other people to know. Since I felt like a sexual relationship with a man is not what God wants for me, and I felt like a marriage to a woman could be devastating to us both, I've largely remained isolated altogether in these ways. I tried dating women at times, but I just always feared the damage that would happen if I tried to force a relationship because of social expectations of others on me. Yes, this has led to fear of missing out on happiness. It's still something I struggle with, and I just don't have simple, easy answers. It is important that I work on friendships so that I have camaraderie through those relationships. Certainly over the years, many of the groups I have joined and have sustained the most are those which seemingly set me apart. I'm the nerd or the music guy in many people's minds. Although I didn't always like being the oddball person, in many ways it has been an adaptation for me. I'm trying to change my attitudes about my sexuality to give myself grace and in turn ensure I'm giving other people grace. Yeah, and I'll just say word. I'll say word to that. <laughs> yeah, amen. Amen. Uh, I feel like a lot of our community, yeah, can can resonate. Just thank you for for sharing that. Um, and here's the last feedback from that. The downside of growing up to be a one of a kind, solitary musician instead of a quote unquote typical boy who plays group sports is it's a lot harder to make friends or feel like you're part of a shared experience, despite the fact that you need those male connections just as much as anyone, if not more. As I grew older, I found other ways to make friends and have shared experiences with other men as college and church opened up more opportunities for those connections, but I always felt like I lagged behind and sometimes I still feel that way. It's like my native language is different than that of most other men and I have to translate myself to them and them back to myself. I feel that way, not just as an artistic person, but even more so as a closeted gay man in a world of mostly straight men. On one hand, I feel I must express who I am to others or I will die. But on the other hand, I know I have to be careful how much of my artistry, sensitivity, and sexuality I dare express without putting myself in danger or making others feel uncomfortable. This compulsion to express myself in covert ways often leads me to just retreat back into myself and my sensitive artistic world, the place where I feel the safest. But eventually, I wake up and realize I'm missing out on the bigger world around me, and I put myself out there once again. So you can, if you guys can't already tell, those of you who are listening, like fours are very well-spoken. They just, all of these comments, there's no shade. I'm not putting shade to any of the other feedback we've gotten in the past. It's all been great. It's all been lovely. But the four feedback is particularly sublime. Like I just love reading these, not only because it's obviously very familiar to me, the stuff that they're rattling off. It's just, it's very well written. I just am like, yeah, that's a four. I can totally, I totally believe you. <laughs> <laughs> just artistically. Yeah, the uh, the eloquence in the feedback is is quite quite apparent. Yeah, and I res I resonate with like the the um 
again, we'll bring in envy into the conversation for a second. Like I was always envious of, I grew up in a very athletic class and I ran cross country and track, which is sports. I've said on this show, that is sport. You can disagree, but that is definitely sport. But it's also not, I will fully admit, it's not on the same level as like football or baseball or basketball, the big three, like, or soccer, maybe for some schools. Um, as far as like the team environment goes, because because running can be a very isolating <laughs> isolating sport, um, even though you're on a team. But but I was always envious of those players because so much of my class played those big three sports, and there was a camaraderie that they shared with one another because they had that outlet to bond and be together. And and I always felt on the outside of that. And I know that's something that um, this fear, this fear of missing out, this fear like I missed something. Like maybe that was as that was as a tangible thing for me that. If I had just played baseball or just played sports, if I was drawn more toward those sports, maybe that would have healed a lot of ache and a lot of disconnect with the other boys. Um, and I know a lot of people in our community would would they could care less, like they have no desire to to be a sporty person. But but there is part of me that wishes I were and wishes I I don't know just have the drive or the desire to or the athletic skill to to do that. There is truly something special about the whole dynamic of of a team of players especially i've i've noticed that a lot more uh, as i've gotten older looking back and being like okay i may not have liked playing the sport but the environment that it created that camaraderie that it produced definitely is appealing like it definitely is. There's there is something about it that is that is unique. And what I find particularly interesting is that that's one of the few areas that that even like straight guys feel like they can like be more expressive and everything is on a team. And so it's it's kind of interesting that that we as uh, as side B or queer uh, people are kind of like looking back at that and be like, okay. Of all the things that straight guys do, that's the one thing that we like. <laughs> that's that's the thing we like, and that's the thing we want, and we feel like we missed out on. And so, yeah, I definitely I agree. Like that, that was something that I may not have liked many sports growing up, but I do I do realize the the importance of that, and I do realize the importance of that kind of camaraderie and uh, I guess brotherhood that they kind of created in those environments. Yeah. Another big one for me was college. Like I was very isolated and I, I wish like I would never redo high school again, like never in a million years, but college, I would give some thought to that. Like if I could redo college and put myself out there a little bit more, um, not live at home and commute, like live in a dorm or, or join some teams, intramurals or, or clubs or things like that's something that I would love. Cause I feel like that was another aspect where a lot of people have really good, I have some college friends, um, but not as many that I feel like I quote unquote should have, or if I compare myself, fours do a lot of comparing, um, comparing to the rest of humanity. And so that's, I have to always catch myself when I find myself comparing because you're comparing apples and oranges and cucumbers. Like these are all different things. Like I quote unquote should have this or should have that. Like, what does that mean? Like, um, so I, oh, yeah. I try not to go too deep down that rabbit trail, but, um, but yeah. fours and stress, this is this one is hurtful. Like I, <laughs> I think I think reading about fours and stress convinced me that I was a four. Like I always tell people, if you don't know what enneagram type you are, look for 
look for sentences that make you wince and make you like uncomfortable. This 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 is kind of what convinced me, I think, that I was a four years ago. Um, the fours and stress go to two, which I will say twos, love them. Had a great conversation with Wes about being a two, the helper, the giver. They're beautiful people. Yes. But when we go to stress, we go to the dark side of two, and that's what that this is what that looks like. Um, fours going to two will become excessively dependent on others while hiding their own needs. They crave and need attention from others and those around them. During stress, fours will want reassurance and care from loved ones in their lives. And I feel I feel all the feels when I when I read that because I constantly just need this validation. And as a mm-hmm. as a gay or SSA person, like male affirmation, like I need men in my life when I'm in those times of stress. And so I'm sure that's going to come up as I read the feedback. Um, someone said this, I'm a preacher's kid and false tested as a two on my first Enneagram test. I was actually angry and jealous that I wasn't a four. As I became healthier and took the test again, I discovered I'm truly a four. I often found a sense of purpose in ministering to others and trying to solve their problems. At my lowest points, I do need words of affirmation from those I love, telling me I'm loved and worthwhile. Yeah, I need, I love words of affirmation. Physical touch is a big one in our community, especially with the fours, the touchy-feely fours in our community. So I know that's the thing. Um, Someone else responded, I do find that all too often I try to give too much. In fact, it is something I'm struggling with at the moment. I do head into the depression that fours can be commonly characterized by. I think that this unfortunately goes along with the isolation aspects of myself, which can lead to dangerous opportunities for the devil to take hold. Mm. And then uh, the last person responded this to stress. I've found that the best aspects of my fourishness, my introspection and rich inner life can turn to loneliness and deep neediness in times of stress or even boredom. I experienced this most acutely when I moved to another state for graduate school. For the first time in my life, I was too far away from home to be able to come home for the weekend, and I was incredibly lonely. Finally, one of my classmates started striking up a friendship with me, and I was so relieved. At first, it was all great, and we really hit it off. I reciprocated the friendship and began inviting him over to my apartment. A lot. Too much. Pretty soon, he got creeped out and started avoiding me, which ramped up my behavior even more. I called him on the phone repeatedly and he stopped answering. I lingered outside rooms and buildings where he was scheduled to have class, pretending it was a coincidence when obviously it wasn't. I was stalking him, basically. And I did this to a lesser degree with other friends as well, my clingy behavior driving each of them away too. The cycle finally broke years later when I finally found some healthy friends who were willing to call me out on my manipulative behavior. I eventually was willing to see it for myself and change with the help of God and those same friends. But I know under stress, I am still tempted to fall back into those ways and realize my need for boundaries and self-care as much as ever in those times. Um, so Alex, I don't know how you feel about that comment, but as I was reading that like two or three times, I like felt a shiver in my soul because I have been extremely clingy, extremely needy um, with, you know, five to 10 men in my life. I don't know. Like I can probably rattle off. I'm not going to rattle off any names, but, um, but in my head, I'm rattling off names where it's like, yep. I remember just being so obsessive about being with them, figuring out when we're going to hang out again and texting them. Like, do I text them? Do they text me? Do I call? Do I send them a message on social media? Do I bump into them in person? Like, how do I hang out with this person? Like, what's the appropriate number? How much, or how much can I like get from them. It was always this like nature of what can they give me because I feel incomplete without them. And I've done that 
so many times with men in my life, both um, both straight and gay. So so that was very convicting and uncomfortable, but but I'm glad I got that off my chest. What about you? <laughs> Ooh, okay. So first off, let's talk about the the definition of force and stress. I feel personally attacked by this and called out. And so thinking about this, it actually kind of, this was one of the easier sections for me to write in terms of kind of coming up with kind of feedback for this episode. And so it was just really interesting how that was kind of more, more on the forefront of my mind than, than having to delve back into some of the other areas uh, to answer the other questions. And so like definitely in times of stress and, and like trouble for me, I become increasingly reliant on others and neglect most, if not all of my own needs. And so this is especially true when it comes to making decisions where I have to get so much input from other people that I question whether I am making the decision based on what I feel I should do or what other people have suggested that I do. And so like, I've always had this tendency of being a follower and a people pleaser. And it makes me, makes it easy for me to default to the position and opinions of other people, especially like really type A people. And like, they're easy to default to them. Like you, oh yeah, you will do it. We'll do it. We'll do that. We'll do that. And like not having to like make the decision myself. And, you know, this resulted in increasingly difficult problems with me, specifically with my confidence and my ability to make sound decisions on my own and to trust my gut when I know something needs to be done. Uh, in addition, it makes me feel like any of my decisions and choices have less value than other people's. And so I try less often to be the one to step up and make a decision. I do crave that reassurance and validation from others. Like definitely that is there. And so just to know that I am cared for and I'm truly loved by people in my life and that kind of really plays into uh, a fear of the four, which I don't think we've mentioned it quite yet, but there is specifically like this fear of abandonment, mm. at least for me as a four. Yeah. And so, and that's tied a lot to like a lot of like the kind of the trauma of my upbringing and like realizing like I couldn't be safe in that environment. I couldn't ex like be uh, vulnerable with people truly. And so for fear of like being abandoned by them. And so, yeah, but there's definitely that uh, in times of stress, really wanting that validation of like, am I truly loved? Well, let me try and like fish for that from someone else mm -hmm. and try and like pull that out of them and be like, do you love me? Do you really love me? Because I don't know if you really do. And I want to know. I No, I don't want to know. I need to know that, that you really love me and that you know, I need to hear you say that. And, you know, that's all well and good. But at the same time, it's like fishing for that is really unhealthy and really manipulative. Yeah. I love the using that word. Like I, I mentioned that word when we had that conversation with Wes as the two, like twos can be incredibly manipulative, but I'm going to point the finger at myself and be like, I can be as a four, very manipulative. And, and Alex is pointing at himself too on camera right now. Like, yes. um, <laughs> There's that tendency, like I, I think there's something about the twos, threes, and fours um, that we're we're all craving this validation from other people, and and one of our yobbers put it so well in the three episode that like twos are looking for that validation for how useful, for how helpful they can be, and 
threes want to like produce the best things and be seen as amazing and and have that validation achieved through through that through that recognition and and then fours i think just they want to be recognized for their uniqueness for their specialness for what they have to offer the world creatively or emotionally and i think um yeah it can be if we're not in a healthy place if we're not practicing um good practices then i think fours can be just incredibly manipulative people and i'm i'm saying fours thinking about myself now in this conversation so um so yeah that's that's uh that's a dark side to be just to be aware of as a four but um going to security this is what's beautiful because you mentioned a couple times about like taking charge or taking action or not you know deflecting to other people um fours and security go to one which is the reformer or the perfectionist um which is an amazing transition um, cause I feel like ones and fours are so different, but, um, but yeah, that conversation with Jesse in my mind sticks out now that we've had all these conversations under our belts. Now during periods of growth and security, fours will begin to take on qualities of ones. Discipline will allow them to finish their creative ideas and dreams. They will be able to complete those creative ideas and make them a reality. Fours will be more connected to the present and centered during periods of growth. They can also control their emotions not always needing to act on each emotion they experience, which I know for me, a practice that I'm doing in therapy is journaling my emotions, just a quick little, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it in my body? Um, and what triggered that emotion? And just constantly noting it, making a log of it and realizing that, yeah, I'm allowed to feel sad. I'm allowed to feel angry. Those aren't bad emotions, but also, <laughs> also, and don't let those emotions take over your life, like learn that emotions come and pass like waves. Um, right. And just to consciously notice that. And I think that's been a great, that's a one like thing to just like be very pragmatic, you know, ones being in the, in the, the gut type and just like, yeah, just take it. I, I've always seen it's like the, the transition from subjective to objective, like, like what is the thing that needs to be done and do it, you know, have the feelings, feel the feels, note the feels, but then do what needs to be done. And I think that's that's a huge uh, point of growth for the four. Yeah. Here's, what's, here's what some guy had to say um, in our community. I used to hate all my feels. Oh, I can relate. <laughs> still, <laughs> still do. Um, I used to hate all my feels. As a neurodivergent, I can be easily overwhelmed and overstimulated. I feel things deeply and have a strong level of empathy. Growing up, my emotions were often dismissed as too much. So I tried to suppress them and not show them, which led to feeling overwhelmed and having meltdowns. It took a long time for me to be comfortable being open and honest with my emotions. In learning to sit with them and sort them out with God, I found I can also help others sort through and articulate theirs. Rather than being too much or a burden, my emotional sensitivity is a form of discernment, recognizing both what I and others need in a situation. Yeah, I get the sense fours. I think a superpower we have a lot of empathy. I think we have a lot of empathy, a lot of capacity to feel what others are feeling. Um, mm -hmm. And if we can learn to not let that cripple us, <laughs> if we have, if we have our healthy outlets, you know, whether that's, I mean, shout out to CrossFit back in the day. Anyone remember when I did CrossFit, it was so good for me to like have a physical outlet for all the feels. Cause like to, to grunt and sweat and like have bars on my back and like all all those intense workouts, like it was really good for me. It was good for me mentally. It was good for me just emotionally to work all that out. Yeah. That was swimming for me. Swimming oh, was my, my stress reliever. Everything just kind of melted away as I 
you know, cut through the water like a hot knife through butter. I can picture it now. Alex, Alex in the sea. I picture you in the ocean, but you probably were in a pool. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I picture you just going out into the ocean and out there he goes. He's out into the, into the wild. <laughs> a free fool. Oh, boy. Um, someone had this to say about the the reformer. Uh, I feel like this reformer aspect of personality has shown up strongly at various times in my life. One way it is showing up now is my desire to get a side B group going at my church. Typically, Ooh. when I get something like that on my mind, I follow through as much as I can. This is only possible because there are other people supporting me in my efforts. We are taking it all slowly, but surely. And I love that. Like I've started a similar group here where I live in the jewel of the Blue Ridge. And it was just like that voice, that little voice in my head or heart or wherever it was, Holy Spirit or otherwise, like saying, start a group. You did it online. You, you helped start this thing online. Start a group in person at, in your city where you live at your church with other churches. And um, and that's an exa- that is a great example of like an objective thing. Like this is a thing that you must do. And yeah, it's going to be challenging, daunting. There's conversations to have. There's you got to figure out who's going to support you, but but don't let the the fear of it take you away from doing it. And so so I'm going to stand up and say I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself for 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 following that one path to objection to not objection to just objectively following what I know that it needs to be done. I just feel like in my soul this is something that needs to be done, and I did it. And I think it's great. I think we have a great group here in town. <laughs> Yeah, we, we live for that follow through, Tom. That's great. Four's got to follow through. And then our last our last feedback, and then we'll go to you, Alex, to close it out. A few years ago, I did a professional Enneagram assessment. You hear this, you guys? This Ooh. this person paid for the... Because you can do that. You can you do dress, dress up your Enneagram assessment and all the bells and whistles, um, which mm. I've never done. I've always kind of wanted to. But anyway, he did. And let's see what happened. I was told that even though I go to one when I'm relaxed, I tend to do so in a non-resourceful way, which results in me becoming very unrelaxed. So here I am going along and enjoying life as a relatively well-adjusted four, happy with the wonderfully unique person I am. When whammo, I get blindsided by the strong inner critic of the one. That inner critic often starts me questioning my, my masculinity or my ability to relate to other men. For instance, I'll be talking with a straight male friend and the conversation is flowing so well that I'll let my guard down and say something that just sounds totally gay. And then I'll beat myself up for it and second guess whether I should have said it, worrying that, worrying that I creeped my friend out or even damaged our friendship. I almost always discover later that I've worried for no reason. And I've also begun to learn that while I can't totally ignore the inner critic because it's part of me, I can put it self-critique context and not be paralyzed by it. Hopefully, the more I can do that, the more secure I'll be in my relationships with other men. Right now, somewhere out there in the city of Oaks, Jesse is listening to this episode and feeling the inner critic or whoever he calls it, <laughs> his inner critic, um, getting a shout out from an unexpected shout out from that feedback. That's so fascinating. Like, I don't know that I would use that exact same language, but I can resonate a little bit with that of like that inner critic, mm-hmm. second guessing how I responded or acted with other other men or another man, another male friend or something. Like I can, I can, I can jive with a lot of that comment actually. Yeah, I, I can too. Especially if there's a saying among us artists, we are our own worst critic. Absolutely. That's the thing about artists. That's like, it's, it's, there's always another stanza, metaphoric or otherwise, that you could write. There's always another paint stroke. There's always another sentence or a chapter or another. Like 
art is never done. I, I'm convinced that, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm just getting started on my own artistic journey, but like it's, uh, it's never finished. And there's always going to be that inner critic that says, yeah, you could have done this differently. You could have added that or subtracted that or just done, <laughs> scrapped the whole thing altogether. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts that you've had, Alex, about stress or about security rather? Or Those uh, are definitely go times for me in terms of like the productivity, definitely as a four wing three, getting stuff done and getting it done when you're like in a healthy place for sure. Usually when I'm in that healthy place, like my creativity is not being neglected. Like other things are not kind of choking it out, if you will. And I'm able to like capitalize on every single opportunity I can in, in the present moment and to like have that healthy discipline and getting it done. And it also like, I like how the, the feedback talked about how like being in that healthy place helps other people who are also around you be in that healthy place too. Because I've also noticed that when I've been in a healthy place and like been able to really talk about like each of like kind of the different things that I'm feeling and going through, like that emotional stability and growth is, is really noticeable to other people. Like I, I, I feel like we, we as fours get so caught up in our own heads all the time that we don't think about how it is actually noticed by other people when we are in a like really healthy place. I've had really awesome conversations with other uh, straight friends of mine, other straight guys, when they're like, you've, you've really like really thought about this and you've really like gone through this and really kind of really, really thought about this in a deep way. And, and like, it allows me to feel safe and comfortable to do that as well, to be able to like really delve into what they feel, even though they might be very inexperienced in doing that, but we as fours tend to uh, have a have a black belt in dealing with the feels, and so I, I think, well, like you said, we we have a an interesting superpower in being able to like be empathetic with other people, and at the same time, like when we are in a a healthy place, it it it's almost as if it unconsciously gives other people the same ability to be in that healthy place and to like explore that in, in themselves too. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I mean, people who know me, or if you don't guess what, this is something I love to do. I just love going to coffee shops, sitting across from one or two people and just hearing what, how is their life going? Tell me everything. <laughs> I'm, I'll be your, your unofficial therapist and just listen in and, and share some of my story too. And that's, I, I think a lot of fours just feel at home in, in sharing that with another. And that's a beautiful thing. Cause we need people. Um, we need people who are there to do that. And we need, again, the security measure of a, of a four is taking action. So if you feel a call in your heart, I think to take this to a spiritual level, like yeah, if you feel like there's something out there, whether it's starting a group or whether it's doing writing for any artistic people, like creating this thing, whether it's a story or a song or um, a painting or whatever, like, like don't just let it be an idea, like do it, follow through. Cause I think it's a beautiful thing when, when fours follow through creatively and collectively with other people. Um, so much good happens when we, when we get out of our moody, emotional, needy selves, like, the world changes, I'm convinced. And so fours, fours are great. If you love a four, 
Alex, let me know if this rings true for you. I haven't read this yet. I did a straight copy paste from the site. And so mm. I haven't looked. So I want to like okay. soak this in. I want to marinate as it comes off my off my lips because I haven't read any of this. So so this is these are some suggestions from Truity on how to love a four. So if you have a four in your life, which if you're listening to this episode, you probably do. You probably have a four in your life. So this is how you love a four. Remember that when they feel uncertain about the relationship, they will test you to see if you love them and try to evoke an emotional reaction. It's healthy for you to be not only logical and caring, but to show some emotions also, even if less dramatic than your partner or friend and you're mostly being an active listener. Fours also need plenty of time to withdraw as well as quality time with you so that they can understand themselves better and, you, and so you can potentially understand them better. Also, remember that fours don't evoke emotions from you to be cruel, but because they're feeling lonely and rejected. Don't abandon them here. Instead, encourage them to find time to both explore their own spirituality and to take care of their physical or mental health. Finally, you can give them permission to have some space while also assuring them of your love. How do you feel about that, Alex? I like that. I like um, make sure you tend to your physical, mental health. Um, the right. assurance, I think that's, again, when we're in those stressful places, like we just want to be assured that you're still there, that you still care, that you still see us, even though that even though you haven't gone anywhere, you're still like there, wherever you are metaphorically there. But, um, but I think it's just that assurance when we're stressed. Like, I think that's a big one, just like, and whatever the love language is, like, yeah, so it's words of affirmation, if it's physical touch, whatever that looks like, I think that goes a long way during those stressful seasons of life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that reassurance is that the people around me are still with me. Even if the person is like sitting next to me, it's like, I still don't feel like they're with me. I I, I need them to, to say it. <laughs> I need them to, to vocalize it or to like communicate with me in some way that like, that they're with me, that they reassure me that they are there. Like for me, it was always like a hug. Like physical touch for me was like the way for me to know that this person cares for me and that they are there with me and that they see me and they acknowledge me and they understand. Mm. Even if they don't understand, they're there and they know. Yeah. Um, so definitely, yeah, that reassurance is, is certainly uh, – a, a really good way to, to care for the, the fours in your life, trying not to see what they're doing as like, like, what is it being cruel? Was that, was it said to like, as they're trying to right. draw out a response, right. but like seeing, seeing that attempt for what it actually is, which is like a need that needs to be met. And, you know, just being graceful with that, I think is also really important. Yeah, showing force grace. And then I love the the feedback from one of the yabbers when he was describing how he was being manipulative and stalkery. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> any fellow stalkers out there listening who identifies oh, for? Like, I think having good people out there, if you can take it, because I know fours were a sensitive bunch, but like fours who can have honest people call them out for their manipulation, I think. I know in my own life, I need that. Like, I need people to just call me out when I'm... Um, going into those, those manipulative behaviors. And so, so you have to develop a thick skin, you have to develop, and that's something that's taken years for me to, to, and I'm not there yet, but it's taken me years to, to get a thicker skin certainly now than I had years ago and to accept feedback, to accept criticism. I think that's just an insecurity a lot of artists have is they don't want to hear that this thing 
sucks or this thing isn't as good as they thought it was. You know, it's like that's yeah. that's something we have to develop. We have to develop that that thick skin and and the ability to receive feedback and to be called out when we need to be. So so I put that out there too, that if you have a good rapport, if you have a good friendship, a good relationship with a four in your life, um, I think they would appreciate that. If uh, whether they realize it or not, I think they they would appreciate that um, that calling out and that accountability piece um, that helps them yeah. go to one. That helps them go to a a place of objective um, action and 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 just feeling holistically true. So that's that's my PS and my closing thoughts on how to love a four. Alex, this was great. We had so many. Four-ish. We had a lot of four-ish stories to share here today, and um, <laughs> I appreciate all the feedback as well from our amazing four-ish yobbers. It was great to uh, it's great to finally have this conversation. I've been holding it in for so long, and um, and I Lord knows I could be here all night talking with you about all my ways, oh, yeah. all my tendencies. But I reference being a four so much, like on the yobcast. So this was very cathartic for me to to finally like put words to that. Like people will just hear me rattle that off. Like, Oh yeah, I'm a four or, and for people who don't know what that means, like this was cool to kind of share, you know, a little bit, a little bit, I could go on longer, but it was a little bit. And hopefully you got to share a little bit about where you come from as well as a four. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on Tom, regardless of the fact that I had to study up a lot for this. (laughs) You did well. I'm not usually one up to date on all things Enneagram. So I, uh, I made it out alive. You did. That's what matters. You did. As a fellow creative, as a fellow four, it was it was awesome to share this space with you. Um, as we, again, as I said at the top, at the top, we're tying the bow now on the heart triad, moving to our last triad of this series. As we go into the head, we go into the head triad: Oof. fives, sixes, and sevens. So this is this is the the home stretch of this series. I can't believe we're. We're rounding this bend. We're going to third base or home. I guess we're going to home. I don't know where we are on the base paths. Yeah, going to home. <laughs> Using baseball analogies. Hashtag we're not, sports. Not good at the sports. <laughs> I actually like baseball and I messed up the baseball analogy. Oh, well, but that's that's par for the course. Oh, that's a sports analogy. Uh, hey, part of the course. there you go. Hey, sports ball, so, do the thing, score the points. So we'll be, we'll be talking to a very familiar Enneagram 5 next week. Y'all have heard him many times. So stay tuned for our 5 conversation next week. Um, and Alex, hope to talk to you again. And best of wishes with um, finishing out Love, Victor, whenever you get there. <laughs> yes, I have to watch the new season. Yeah. Uh, I have, I watched... I think the first episode. Okay, so, I, so you're, I, I have you're a little there. ways to go. Yeah. You're getting there. You're getting there. All right, friends. Until we cast our next Ennea Convo, see y'all next time. Bye, Alex. Bye-bye. Bye bye.